0: And here we go with another installment of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. As always, we got Jerry across the way. Jerry, how's it going? Great day today, Scott. Glad to be on board. Well, here we go with another installment of this podcast. Don't forget to check out all of the previous shows, too. Uh, Some great interviews, and I know the one we're going to have here in a moment is going to be quite uh, entertaining as well. Uh, well, Jerry, I'll let you introduce the guest, and also uh, tell us what we will be drinking, uh, uh, another beverage that is quite uh, familiar to people
1: that will be tuning in today. Well, our guest first, of course, is Dr. Brent uh, Wogern. He is from the Chippewa Valley Free Clinic, and we're going to be talking about uh, that great entity and what it does, and uh, an opportunity for all of you, if you're interested, to help uh, support their great cause, and we'll be doing that by having a great libation from um Colorado. It's Fat Tire from the, the New Belgium Brewery Company. I was uh, in New Belgium, uh, actually in Fort Collins, where it's located about a month ago and uh, enjoyed it there. And I uh, uh, Dr. Wogan had actually requested a Spotted Cow, which we, which I, it's a great beer. Uh, but I wanted to expand a little bit because I think we've had Fat Tire, and so what Spotted Cow is to Wisconsin and kind of Wisconsinality, um, Fat Tire is for the West Coast or at least, at least the, the Middle West, um, like where Coors used to be. Now it's kind of Fat Tire is their their beer of choice. So I thought we'd uh, give that one a shot today. So uh, while I'm pouring the beer, why don't you bring uh, Dr. Wogan on board?
0: Well, let's do, exactly, let's do exactly that, and uh, to the good doc, uh, welcome aboard here, and why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and what led you into medicine?
2: Well, all right. Uh, my name is Brent Wogan, and uh, I originally hail from the uh, little town of Marion, Iowa, uh, which is right next door to Cedar Rapids, and uh, my father is a veterinarian, and uh, it's, I originally was actually went to school to go become a veterinarian. And I got into vet school and decided that, uh, you know, although medicine is in my family, a lot of, uh, we go got several doctors anyway, and uh, I decided veterinary medicine wasn't in my blood. And then about that time, I had a girlfriend that talked me into, uh, maybe I should go to medical school instead. I think mainly because her father was a veterinarian and she did not want to marry a veterinarian. So I think that's <laughs> where I went there. But uh, uh, anyway, I went went to medical school, and uh, during my rotations, uh, I fell in love with uh, surgery. And uh, so I've been doing general and vascular surgery here in Eau Claire for 27 years. And uh, the free clinic started shortly after I got here. I got involved about te- two decades ago. And uh, it's... It's been a, a good involvement. My involvement's a little different than uh, uh, most of the uh, other physicians who are involved in the clinic is, is that I rarely step a foot in the door. Um, most of my involvement is is that uh, if somebody has a surgical need, uh, then we, we, in our clinic, uh, volunteer to see them for free. So I and my partners will do that. And we'll see them for free and consultate and... Uh, 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 see what the, indeed they need. And if they need it, uh, we find a way to make it happen. And so then we work with the other hospitals to make that happen. Now, y- years ago when I was in uh, medical school, uh, they encouraged us to volunteer to the local free clinic there, in which I did, and then uh, I realized that, you know, it's all well and good, but my specialty is surgery, and why don't I provide specialty services rather than uh, working on blood pressure, diabetes, and whatnot. And so uh, that's where I got involved with the clinic. The other way I'm involved with the clinic is fundraising. And the clinic like this needs money. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I have been uh, more actively involved in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, six, seven years now, uh, trying to provide enough funds to keep the place going.
0: Well, the beverages have been poured. Let's... uh... What do you like to
1: say there, Jerry? Clink him and drink 'em
0: <laughs> Well, that'll lubricate the uh mm. the conversation
1: well, yeah, very good beer. They do a nice job with that so
0: um well, I think before we do do anything else and uh know Jerry will have a, a lot of questions there, but let's 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 push the elephant out of the room here for those who may not know exactly what it is. What is the Chippewa Valley Free Clinic? As you said, you guys have been around for, you know, some 20 years. Mm-hmm. I know we've had other people on this podcast. That there was a lot of notoriety about the free clinic. Probably, I'd say about three, four years ago, there, there seemed to be a lot of stuff out there about it. People may know what it is, think they know what it is. Why don't you give us the quick little I mean, synopsis? Quick
2: down and dirty on it. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason that you, you're thinking about it three or four years ago was is that uh, uh, we lost our building is we lost our lease, and uh, prior to that, we had uh, a building that we had rehabbed, and we thought uh, this was kind of it, good to go. Well, then all of a sudden, we had a lot of people volunteer for that and get that building all up to speed, and then we lost the lease. And so there was sort of, uh, let's say about four years ago, five years ago is kind of when we had to make the shift. And so we had to do a lot of fundraising, and. Uh, um, there was. I don't remember exactly what the number was that we ended up getting, but uh, we got enough to get going, and and it's it was nice. Now we're in a nice new building. Uh, it's uh, just uh, adjacent to Sacred Heart Hospital, or at least a block away, and uh, that's you know it's it's nice actually to be in a nice rehab building, and instead of something that's usually a little uh, in need of things, and so. Uh, um, in the last uh, couple of years with COVID, of course, that's been even more challenging. You know, the clinic uh, serves about 2,000 people a year, or at least 2,000 patients, some odd visits a year. Uh, there are somewhere between 15 and 18 new people. So it's not just the same recurring individuals. It's newer individuals. Um And so we get new people in and uh, provide all sorts of services. And uh, Mary Beth, who is the the director of the organization, was kind enough to give me kind of a rundown of just a whole host of things. And I'm looking at 30 different items uh, of medical issues and things that they take care of. Uh, There's uh, more recently dentals been brought in and uh, some vision services.
1: Well, I'll start out with with a question that to me is, is difficult, especially for anybody in the nonprofit world, is you deal with probably a, a need that's an in incredibly high demand, Correct. and yet you have limited resources. How do you allocate those limited resources over an almost huge and growing demand, knowing full well that you cannot meet everybody's needs on every given evening? That, yeah that's that's the struggle
2: and, yeah. and uh, fortunately I personally don't make a lot of those des- those choices or decisions but uh, uh, it is an issue because uh, the clinic itself it takes about uh, eleven thousand dollars a week to run and a lot of that is medications uh, it is in the uh, underserved or
1: uninsured, and that's given that there so are so many people volunteering their time. I mean, that, that's, those are, are costs that are, I mean, this isn't running a full clinic. This is running a very stripped down version oh, yeah. of oh. a clinic. So that, that, those are costs that are just above and beyond yeah, all yes. the volunteer hours.
2: Yes. That's just, you know, you got to pay electricity. Sure. got to have a phone bill. Uh, it's just the way life is. And uh, Yeah, we have uh, about 150 volunteers uh, that work uh, every year. And uh, I forget how many thousand hours that they, they put in, but 150 volunteers and the, uh, the, cl- the clinic itself is quite busy.
1: Now, the, the free clinic has a perspective that, frankly, almost no one else has in the Valley. I mean, you, you get to have your, your finger on the pulse in terms of kind of what's going out on there in terms of, of health care. You, and you've been you know, with the free clinic for a number of years. What are the trends? Just in terms of what folks are dealing with, I mean, let's let's kind of put COVID on the shelf for a second. Sure. That, that's a whole different sure. world. No, that's but that. are people become are they getting less healthy, more healthy? Uh, what What are the trends and what are you seeing? I, I guess overall, uh, just
2: the breadth of people coming in, more people coming in, uh, underinsured. Uh in other words, that they may through their employer, have uh, uh, quote insurance, but it's a uh, big deductibles. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to make up the difference and you know, trying to figure out how to how to manage chronic care in, an, in a fiscally responsible fashion in, in, without really spending anything for it. And so you're if you're taking care of diabetes for instance you're going to want to do some blood tests. And those blood tests all have money. And nobody wants to spend any money. And the the clinic has you know certainly there's donations from the surrounding hospitals to do some of that blood work for us, but it's not covering everything. And so people are somewhat limited in what they're what they what they're able to do with that. And so just just that this the different I guess we've got newer, I uh, should say, uh, you have your range of people, maybe people that aren't used to being or having to come to our facility. They've had insurance, they've been insured, they, they've been able to do whatever they want to do, and now they're, they're feeling the crunch financially.
1: Now, as a physician, how does that work? Because, I mean, you're used to getting um, you have a lot of information. So you get, get you know, testing. You have, uh, you know, you can have different procedures done. You can kind of put this, all the pieces together and say, oh, geez, you must, you know, have this or we need to go in this direction or I'm going to prescribe this. How does a clinician function when you're kind of running blind, it, when, when they can't? Get the the battery of tests, and you can't get all the, you know, the supporting information around it. Where he says, "Well, I kind of think you might have this. Mm-hmm. Can you proceed with some sort of treatment, or does, or do you just well, wait a minute, I, I just don't have enough enough to go here by to go by or just go by your gut.' How does that work? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but fortunately for myself and my own
2: practice uh, in taking care care of patients. As in the surgical world, it usually has to do with imaging and trying to figure out which is the best imaging okay. um as far as treating like long term chronic medical issues then you're picking and choosing which test might give you the most information and so me i am trying to figure out you know what what's actually going on and and it's it, you know for instance uh um Today, I ran into a young woman who is, she's fiscally challenged. And I'm doing an exam and her story, she's got a great story for gallbladder. Uh, I mean, she's got a long history of that. And I mean, as far as her mother had it out, her sisters had it out, her aunts have had it out, Mm -hmm. her grandmother had it out. So odds are, she's not going (laughs) to, odds Mm -hmm. are, she's likely going to have it out too. And she gives me an awesome story. And I do a physical exam, and I, I do happen to have an ER uh, scan on her. Okay, that's nice. Uh, the scan says uh, normal. I'm like, well, this isn't normal. Uh, things aren't going well. And, and it, I look at it and go, no, this gal has got a bad gallbladder. Now I can do some other further testing, but all I'm going to do is run up her bill. And she's got a big deductible and they are going to be paying for it. So it's a question of, all right, now what do you do? And try to streamline the care.
1: How does it work in, I'll say, the free clinic world? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, litigation. So in the, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say more of the standard field, I mean, you, you'd cover yourself different ways. You know, did You know, doctor, did you get this procedure? Did you pull this test? Did you do the blood yeah. work? Whatever. If you're not doing these sorts of things, Um, do folks as part of their, um, admittance process to the free clinic, do they sign off on the fact that, you know, if you're saying no to these things, you're making your best clinical judgment, you know, we're all, you know, you can make mistakes or things don't happen. Uh, is there a issue on your part Are you taking a personal risk or a practice risk when you're making these judgments based on less than I'll say perfect information?
2: Yeah yeah and is do it do you run a higher risk and the I think the answer is yes uh yeah, as far as not quote making any mistakes end quote um but for me, I'm carrying insurance out of my clinic and I'm seeing all the individuals out of my clinic, so it's just a arm of my practice. I might not get paid for doing any of it, but I've at least got insurance on the on the insured side that's paying me so I can pay for my own insurance they so. It's I think it's different for the clinics or for the people who are actually volunteering in the clinic. Um, I my best assumption would be as if the free clinic carries some malpractice and how much uh, you'd, you'd have to talk to Mary Beth, the uh, director of the institution. But most of the people that are volunteering there are all private physicians covered by Wisconsin license, covered by Wisconsin's. Um, there is a it's a element of the state that's part of the uh, uh, what should I say the legal fund, sure uh, but there you also have to cover the first dollars in your own insurance so but however, I physicians who have quote retired and are no longer actively working can volunteer in the clinic, and I believe the clinic does provide. Some sort of coverage. Coverage for them. Now, what extent that coverage is, and how you know that, I don't know.
1: Now, on the other side, so if you have folks who are coming, you know, you're seeing them, and 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 in your case as a specialist, you kind of see them, you know, beyond the um, well baby checks and beyond mm-hmm. the you know vaccinations and you know the 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 routine items or, or more of the standard items. When does the free clinic decide? Well. We just can't afford to do this. I mean, if someone comes in with something very severe, and you know, I know even, even you're providing your services for free, your Sacred Heart's going to let you use the ER or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, those have also got to be really, really difficult decisions.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's my what what I've seen in the past is is that we make uh, you know people will make a phone call out to somebody and say, hey. We've got somebody with XYZ what do you think what where should we go and so then make a phone call well I know this doc I'll call him and or her and and see how many people you can kind of go around on the back door to and, collect people to help
1: and that works I mean I, I, it me works that, to a point yeah and and to me that that's very edifying that there is still in today's day there are folks who are willing yeah. to go above and beyond or be able to help somebody who clearly is in you know, dire need of sure. something that they simply can't afford to have happen, and, and yet it does. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, I,
2: whether it's Midwest nice or not, <laughs> uh, it's, these people are your neighbors. If you don't know them, then your, your neighbor might know them, or your friend might know them, or, you know, it's, we're not in that big a community. You know, you go out and do something strange and then find out how fast that gets around town. You exactly. know, the, the town's not that big. We've, you know, our catchment area around here is, you know, 100,000 in the Eau Claire community. Um, so these people, they're part of the community. And so I think people do go out of their way from time to time to help out. And I, I, I look at it this way, is, is that some days I go to work and I do things and I get reimbursed very nicely. Other days I go to work and the tech who's working beside me is getting paid more than I am. And, you know, it balances.
1: It's not that I'm starving. My family's doing fine. What's your best story? My best in, story. In terms of, you know, you know, the folks that you've seen and helped over the years. I mean, that has got to be, you know, really um, wonderful. But uh, are there any one or two that just kind of step out that say we really delivered here? Well, I
2: tell you, uh, as far as impact on my life, uh, it was relatively early in my career. I had a uh, 16-year-old girl come in who had an appendicitis. Okay, we got this. I, you know, I'm in, I've been in town for a couple of years. Take her out, of her appendix is ruptured. It's kind of a lot of contamination. Rinse her out. She does okay for a couple of days and then doesn't. So I take her back to surgery. I make a bigger hole. I rinse her out. Then a couple of days later, she's not doing real well. She's going back downhill. Then I take her back to surgery, I rinse her out, I'm making a bigger hole. I got a 16-year-old girl in intensive care unit at a hot event. And I'm going to lose a 16-year-old. You know, people don't think about how acute appendicitis can kill somebody. And yeah, the number's low.
1: But, but it's still a number.
2: It's still a number. And somebody is one of those numbers. And so I clean her out again. So so uh, I think the, I did four different surgeries on her. And you know, by this time, I got my senior partner involved. You know, I need, you know, is there anything else I should be doing? I don't know. We're, we're getting there. And after that fourth surgery, I just, yeah, I think we're finally, I think we're going to win this game. And... Mom kind of looks at me and says, well, this is my only kid. I'm concerned because I'd like to have grandkids. And, you know, there's a lot of inflammation in there. And I said, yeah, I understand. But it is none of my concern. And she looked at me and she says, it needs to be. Because it's very important to my husband and I. And I'm I, I kind of looking at her going, "I'm, you know, ma'am, If she's dead, there's no grandkids. I'm trying to get her home. And uh, so anyway, it's, I was asked about that. You know, what was the most impactful story in my life uh, as far as medical? And about a decade later, and so I get, I do an interview with the local newspaper. And they asked me about this. And I had no idea what What happened? She left alive and well. What happened? And then I got a uh, a thank you letter with her and two kids. Oh, that's cool.
1: That's cool. Hard to transition from that one, but um, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll take it a little bit more on the mundane well, well, now. <laughs> um, do you see that, like you know, the the overall health of Eau Claire improving, not improving, or staying about the same?
2: I'd say recently. I guess I would say, certainly, COVID aside, it didn't help us. Because uh, I think uh, recently that's had bigger impact on our overall health. I see a number of people who didn't get things done, uh, and I'm seeing a little more advanced disease right now. So I blame COVID more for that. But you know, overall, I, I think I think we've got a lot of medical resources here in the community, and uh, uh, so there's opportunity. Yeah, could we get could we do more? Mm, probably. Um are we getting most things taken care of? I think the answer is yes. Um but uh uh I, right now it's trying to get this covid thing behind us and get everybody's uh screening stuff
1: caught up. Uh I think is uh, our biggest challenge. I know that the free clinics play a huge role It's kind of like this uh, catch-all, or this, um, you know, that this this net of last resort for so many people. Both, you know, the Chippewa Valley Cl- Clinic here in Eau Claire. There's one in in Chippewa. Uh, you know, and, and hats off to you and all those who who support these. Um, as a side note, um, but also very important, is that the bank is a big supporter of, of these as well, and uh, specifically this program. And so we there is a fundraiser going on now to support the ongoing needs of the free clinic. And uh, these are supported through a series of um, gift baskets that are made available. And uh, the first one actually is going to be um, sponsored by Northwestern Banks. We care to give us a little background? Oh, about these perfect. If people are perfect. interested. Yeah, I'm just
2: looking here. I think I left that sheet of paper on the uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in my trow. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, the November uh, uh, basket. Basically, it's a box. It comes with a bunch of uh, different things in it, usually some wine, uh, some different foods, sometimes uh, liquors or some other.
1: There was beer last year in the yeah. Northwestern Bank box. I'll have to talk with people at Coffee Grounds or Mary Beth <laughs> about this because that that was an, on, an angle this year, but this year for our box, it won't be beer, but that being said, it's still going to be a very worthy oh, cost. Oh, yes, yeah,
2: yeah. And this, this came out of uh, uh, a need from COVID um, because we we had started a uh, um, Raised Spirits. Uh, it was basically a, a wine and cheese get-together fundraiser that we were having. We had three of them, raised a lot of funds, especially for the new building. And then COVID hit, and that event it was needed we needed to come up with funds to replace that event and so we came up with the idea of boxes monthly boxes uh, and each box has a theme to it and um i had a list of the themes but uh, this next one is uh, november's feature is uh, give thanks for breakfast so the box included uh, different kinds of roasted coffee um organic buttermilk pancake mix uh syrup uh, an orange crate uh, pumpkin stone mix. Uh, it sounds kind of delicious. I was say there, Jerry, you're, you're, you want beer, but that doesn't sound too bad <laughs> either.
1: Well, when, beer with a little batter, I mean, that just, that's not a bad and idea. idea. No, yeah, no.
2: yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's some granola in here, and it, it's basically everything that uh, that you might ever think about wanting for breakfast. And uh, we sell the boxes uh, uh for $100, uh, or 110 excuse me. We went up a little bit. Yes. COVID gets you.
1: COVID and, and inflation. Inflation, so yeah, go. yeah. So if someone wants to order one of these, how do they go about doing that?
2: Uh, easiest way to order one is to uh, log on to thecoffeegrounds.com backslash events. And uh, um, you can find our boxes there. And boxes are going to be sold for this current one until November Wednesday, November 16th or unless they're sold out. So generally speaking, we uh, plan for about 100 boxes and, uh, until they get sold out.
1: Right. So uh, if you're interested and this is a cause that uh, moves you, uh, please consider to do that. I know I've enjoyed the boxes over the years, and it's a great way to both help out plus be able to have some uh, fun on, on, on your own in a kind of a clever way. So really appreciate it they've yeah. been
0: kind of. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wind it down with this here. It's a, it's a, it's a question I usually ask uh, athletes, but I think it uh, works out well for doctors as well. Obviously, you're, you're involved in the surgical game. If you weren't doing surgery, what other form of medicine? You know, you talked about, uh, you know, going down the the vet route there. But it, mm-hmm. you know, what other form of
2: human medicine would you have uh, maybe gone down? Actually, my next choice was uh, Obijin. Yeah, it's still a surgical subspecialty, Sorry, <laughs> although probably I, I've I've always been accused of uh, uh, liking to play with the power tools that Ortho has too. So you know, every so often I get to use some power, and uh, that's always nice. But,
0: one of the fun things about me- you know medicine is that there's so many. Somebody says, "Well, you're you're, you're a doctor," but uh, there's a lot of different tentacles that come off of. Sure. Uh, said uh, said thing there and uh hey you're you're right by the way that story still sitting with me 10 minutes later that, that's yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. i know and, 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 and i'm sure there's there's a bunch that uh that are that are similar to that and uh you need mm-hmm. to put in the terms of of wins and losses but uh i'm sure for for you and for a lot of doctors you you remember an awful lot of those patients for oh yeah. good and for good and, and not so good the
2: ones the ones that I, you lose sleep over at night those are the ones you, you remember the most Um, But uh, I do uh, want to let your listeners know that Mm -hmm. if you do miss the November deadline, Mm -hmm. uh, we've got six more boxes Mm -hmm. basically going out once a month. And uh, there'll be I'm sure there's last year around New Year's, we had a champagne, whatever, New Mm -hmm. Year's party box. And then we had a uh,
1: picnic basket box in the spring. Usually a wine box out there before. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah. they've got a nice variety. And, and most, well, all the boxes have sponsors. Yes. Uh, and Northwestern Bank is obviously the sponsor for this, this first box. But there are other uh, great organizations that are stepping up as well. So uh, uh, great opportunity to really support your community in a very, very meaningful way.
2: Yeah, and without the sponsors and without the, you know, it's uh, this, this, box these boxes do raise funds uh, you know we have to pay for all the all the spies of them and we get to keep the, the leftover but it's just a, a lot of the money that the free clinic utilizes is corporate sponsorship
0: and again if, if somebody's looking for a rationalization for spending that in addition to giving it back uh to a great cause hey there's a there's an easy holiday gift for somebody in your life as well. So get the oh, box, yeah. and there you go. There's a nice holiday gift. You know, maybe uh, you can buy all those items on their own for, for cheaper than that, but you will have made a great donation to a, a wonderful cause, and you'll be able to knock off a gift to somebody at the same time. Or spread out, spread it out. You can really,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you get the syrup and you get the batter and try to
1: make friends. <laughs> well, Doctor Wogan thank you so very much for joining us oh, today. You thank you for what you do for the free clinic and for the community. Mm-hmm. We're all indebted to you, um, and it's a great uh, service that you provide and all the volunteers who help out there. So thank you very much. Yeah,
2: it's the, the people that are in the trenches working in the free clinic every every time. Is, uh, there? My hats off to them. Uh, awesome. They they really work hard.
1: So thank you for listening to Dr. Wogan and Scott and I chat over a beer today. If you like what you've heard, please give Bank with the Beer a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website, and wherever you listen to your podcasts from. Bank with the Beer is sponsored by Northwestern Bank, building communities where people matter.